Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, the other quote, and this is from the guy that got drafted right after you, Will Anderson. He said, his, your attitude and energy bleed through the whole locker room to make everyone want to step up and keep playing better. What does that mean to you to hear not only a fellow teammate but a defensive player say that about you and your effect on the team? Um, man, it's, it's just honestly, it's, it's super inspiring. It's, it's very um, heartwarming. Uh, I appreciate that. I don't, I, don't, I don't walk in the locker room every day trying to make people feel my energy or like, y'all need to do this. You know, I'm not trying to be that type. Of, that's not who I am. That's not real leadership. Um, what I, my, my approach is being being trustworthy um, and, and putting your best foot forward. And uh, a coach of mine, his name is Ty Fitch. Uh, who was a quarterback coach of mine at, at Ohio State. Um, he told me probably the most important thing a quarterback should ever hear in his life is the number one job for a quarterback is to make everybody around you better. Point blank period. And however you get that done, that's that's your business. But um, I took that to heart when he told me my, my, first, my sophomore year in college. Ever since that, that's been my main goal. Todd Blackledge will call the game with Noah Eagle tomorrow afternoon in Houston. Browns, Texans, talking to C.J. Stroud, the guy who is the PFT Offensive Rookie of the Year, likely will be the official AP Offensive Rookie of the Year when we get those those awards announced in a few weeks. But, Peter, this one is extra interesting because they've already played, but C.J. Stroud didn't play. The Browns won easily, but C.J. Stroud didn't play. The Browns have Joe Flacco, who was unemployed until November 20, and C.J. Stroud has been incredible this year. All the games except Saturday night this past week were tucked into the 1 o'clock window with all the other games happening. He hasn't been appreciated the way that maybe he could or should be. But I know what I saw Saturday night in what was a playoff game as a practical matter for the Houston Texans. I saw C.J. Stroud come out and light it up and deliver the win on the road. I, you know, the Browns, it's, it'd be a damn shame if the Browns lose on Saturday because they've had such a special season. I don't think this is an easy spot for them because C.J. Stroud has proven he can come out and play at this level and he can win big games. You know what is the most interesting thing about this game? In some ways, it is the Deshaun Watson is not here bowl. And <laughs> when I think about that, if you gave both coaches sodium pentothal and you would say, which quarterback would you like to start for your team this week? If you asked D'Amico Ryan, C.J. Stroud or Deshaun Watson, I'm positive he would say C.J. Stroud. But if you ask Kevin Stefanski with sodium pentothal, who, do you, who would you rather have quarterback in the team in this game this weekend? Joe Flacco? Or Deshaun Watson? I mean, I don't know what he would say. My guess is he would say Joe Flacco. As crazy as that sounds. And 
it's just, it's 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 amazing. Mike, in some ways, the NFL season is so long, but in some ways, it goes by in an absolute flash. Because when you think about it now, we're 40% through the Deshaun Watson quote-unquote era in Cleveland. And they really have no idea whether he's a long-term quarterback for them or not. That's what is the crazy backdrop of this game. But I agree with you. The Browns should win this game. But there's something about C.J. Stroud and stepping up in a playoff game, a pre-playoff playoff game last week in Indianapolis and throwing a ball 53 yards in the air, a perfect strike to Nico Collins on the first play of the game. There's something about C.J. Stroud that I say, you know, be careful what you wish for when you say, man, we could have been a lot worse than facing the Texans in the first round of the playoffs. They're going to be, I think they're going to be a hard out on Saturday. And Joe Flacco, who has been one of the great stories of the NFL season, he turns 39 next week. He's given that passing game the boost that it needs. But, Peter, eight interceptions in five games. That projects to 27 for a full Nine season. turnovers. Sam Howell, yeah. Sam Howell had the most this year with 21. So that's where, you know, Chris, Chris is all in with the Browns. But Chris is concerned about the Cleveland offense. They pass too much. There's too many turnovers. And when the stakes are high and the pressure increases – it's that one play, that one moment, that one key turnover that can turn the momentum and turn a game that the Browns should win into a game that the Texans do win. All right, Saturday night, and I'm looking at, and it's time for the weather on the ones here on PFT Live. Here's, here's the weather in your neck of the woods. Okay, the, the, uh, the forecast for Kansas City, if I'm reading this graph correctly, at kickoff, it's going to be five below. Five below Fahrenheit on Saturday night at kickoff. Here's Mike McDaniel, coach of the Dolphins, and Andy Reid, coach of the Chiefs, on the very frigid temperatures expected for Kansas City on Saturday night. No one likes being cold. That's why we have temperature control. However, um, it does make it the moment bigger when you know that there's a that's a absolute fact that it's going to be it's going to be frigid um what if as a team you find a way to it not affect you that to be able to go and do athletic performance in that weather it takes will uh i just say get ready for the game let's do that i don't really care what goes on out here um yeah, we're not having a snowball fight. <laughs> and look, that, that, that's the old school. We'll play on the moon if we have to, right? Here are some of the coldest games in NFL history. Under this standard that I'm looking at now, and based on that graphic, this will come in at four. It will knock out the 2007 NFC Championship game. Tom Coughlin's cheeks are still red 16 years later. Uh, and Peter, you know, the one thing the NFL... And you look at these games of past years. The NFL is a lot more sensitive to health and safety now than it's ever been. And I just sent an email to Brian McCarthy, the chief NFL spokesman on this. Is there a temperature that's regarded as unsafe for players, staff, media, fans, anyone? Is there a temperature? Do they even have that contingency in place? If the forecast is 10 below, 15 below, wind chill, 50 below, whatever it is. Is there even a contingency out there? Have they envisioned a day where they just need to say, we can't play? And, and I don't know what impact that would have on the playoff scheduling, but if you're going to be concerned about health and safety, you got to at least have on the radar screen the possibility that you could have conditions that are just too cold for people to show up by the tens of thousands and stand outside for three hours for a football game. You know, I think we forgot one on that graphic. How about the Chargers-Bengals championship game when it was 59 below wind chill? Yes. Um, and, and look, I mean, 
I agree with you, Mike. I know that Dan Fouts to this day, uh, and, and a lot of guys on the Chargers to this day, and it's it's not. I don't think it's sour grapes. I think it's I think it's real, and I think it's a real question. Do you want to have an athletic contest when it's insanely, ridiculously impossible to function at anywhere close to your highest level? And particularly, do you want to do it on artificial turf? You might as well go out and play in the parking lot. But again, I doubt the NFL is ever going to say we don't want that. You know why? Because there's going to be a lot of people who want to see what it's going to be like for Tua Tonga-Valoa, who grew up in Hawaii, who played college football in the Deep South, who was drafted to play in the Deep South, and who has only played for temperate, warm-weather teams ever to have to play in the toughest conditions he's ever had to play in in his life. And now, arguably, this is the biggest game he has ever played in his life. And and so I, I think there's a lot of fascination with how the Miami Dolphins are going to handle playing the game that could be uh, the coldest game in franchise history. And what's going to happen is a practical matter. The NFL is going to continue to fly blind into these periodic. They don't happen very often, but these weather situations, and there's going to be an inevitably one of these days a day they shouldn't have played. Somebody's going to have frostbite. Somebody's going to get sick. You know, there's going to be some consequence that makes him say, gee, we didn't realize that could happen. Now we better have a contingency plan in place when the forecast calls for frigid temperatures. They got domes all over the place. They could move these games to if they wanted to. They've done it for other reasons. I'm not saying they should for this one. I'm just curious if they even have an idea as to how cold is too cold to have all those people outside. All right, the next game. And it's the first game on Sunday. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the seven seed, take on the Bills, the two seed. A seven has never beaten a two, Peter. But the Bills, as the two seed, have won narrowly in the two-seven game, beating the Colts by three at home in 2020 and beating the Dolphins at home by three last year with Skylar Thompson at quarterback for the Dolphins. Tomorrow it's Josh Allen, or Sunday it's Josh Allen versus Mason Rudolph. Do you give the Steelers a chance, especially since they don't have T.J. Watt? Uh, this would be one of the big upsets in recent or maybe all of playoff history. A team that is the very resurgent right now. The Bills entering, they, you know, they haven't lost in six weeks. Uh, entering a, a game against a team that's playing its third quarterback and the best player on the team isn't playing. It's hard for me to imagine that the Steelers are going to win the only way, in my opinion, that the Steelers win this game is if bad Josh shows up for the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, bad Josh showed up for a little while on Sunday night, and bad Josh shook that off and turned it into a positive. And that's always hard to do because it's easy to let it creep into your head. It's just not our night. It's just not going to happen. It's just not – It's and then all of a sudden – you turn it around. One good drive, you turn it around, and you take control of the game. But you're right. It would take a disaster like that. I mean, no, no disrespect intended to Mason Rudolph, but Josh Allen versus Mason Rudolph in a playoff game, I mean, I don't think you need to say anything more than that, do you? Unless Josh <laughs> Allen just – I mean, unless Josh Allen has an absolutely horrendous day, it's hard to imagine the Bills not advancing to the divisional round. It's still amazing that they bottomed out and made it all the way to the two seed. We're going to flip it over to the NFC Super Wild Card Games when PFT Live continues right after this. You spoke about the uniqueness of this week coming up. You walk into Ford Field. Do you know how to get to the visitor locker room? <laughs> I've only been there a couple times for maybe a photo shoot or something, but uh, no, it is, it's going to be a strange feeling. Um, I think it's the same tunnel, right? We used to always walk down. Yeah, so at least I'll know the tunnel. But uh, no, it, it is going to be an interesting feeling, um, you know, walking through there, being on the other sideline. That's the other thing. Just standing on the opposite sideline will be interesting. But, uh, you know, once the ball snaps, man, let's go play football. It's, uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere. I know that. That place loves football. They love their lines, and they should be proud of them. This year they're playing at a really high level. First home playoff game in 30-some-odd years. It's going to be uh, – it'll be rocking and rolling. It'll be a good atmosphere. 
That's our guy Devin McCourty who's going to join us in about 45 minutes to talk Bill Belichick visiting with Matthew Stafford as he prepares to return to Detroit for the first time since the trade that happened late January 2021 stunned everyone. Matthew Stafford to the Rams, Jared Goff to the Lions. They've played once since then, but it was in L.A. Now they play in Detroit, the first playoff game ever at Ford Field, and Matthew Stafford at quarterback, just not for the team that made him the first overall pick in the 2009 draft. It really is amazing. The football gods smiled upon us with this one, with the Rams pulling off the win on Sunday against the 49ers to lock this in as the 3-6 game. Peter, and the Lions are favored. The Lions are favored. And, you know, I the Rams are one of the best teams in the NFL right now. And what a conflict it's got to be for those Lions fans who are going to show up there in full force to have to root against a guy that they still have so much love and affection for that when Rams games are on TV in Detroit, they, they get massive ratings. They want to follow Matthew Stafford. They, they still love Matthew Stafford. They're enjoying the Super Bowl from two years ago vicariously through Matthew Stafford. I think it's going to be such an interesting game from so many standpoints. Number one, I think let's look at it from a football standpoint first. The ironic thing about this game and this matchup, in my opinion, Mike, is that the Detroit Lions, you could argue that the best player they have picked since they picked Matthew Stafford in the draft more than a decade ago, the best player they've picked is Aiden Hutchinson. And Aiden Hutchinson on a fast track is going to be chasing Matthew Stafford for four quarters. Now, Matthew Stafford is not does not wear cement shoes, but he's not nimble either. And so to me, that's part of the irony of this. You know, the two best draft choices maybe of this century for the Detroit Lions, that is going to go a long way toward determining who wins this game, the first home Lions playoff game you know, in so many years. I think the other part of it that I really think is is interesting is there are so many weapons on the Lions, so many good players to keep account of. When you look at the defense that they're going to be facing, and it's really, other than Aaron Donald, it's a no-name defense. You know, when I voted for Defensive Rookie of the Year this year, I voted for Kobe Turner, And quite honestly, a month ago, he wouldn't have been on my top 10. And so the the Rams are going to take some getting used to getting to know who they are, I think, Sunday night in this game for America. But they've got a really good, very fast, very young defense, and they still have the best defensive player on the planet in Aaron Donald. So it's just, it's a fascinating look at this game. So many different factors, not the least of which obvious, I haven't even mentioned Jared Goff, you know, and and all that. But I do think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great football game. Yeah, the Goff angle, another interesting nugget here because he was basically put out on the curb like a bag of trash by the Rams. They gave up a first-round pick as a practical matter to get him off their roster, to get him off the books. It was a one and a three for Stafford and a one for the Lions to please take on this Jared Goff contract. And now Goff gets a chance to to prove that, Matt, that Sean McVay got it wrong when giving up on him when he did. And one last point before we move on to the next game. The Lions' defense. Nick Mullins, two of the final three weeks of the season – torched them Nick Mullins wait till Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua get a chance to attack that defense that was torched twice in the final three weeks by Nick Mullins oh and along the way Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb did some uh, pretty significant damage as well to the Detroit defense Packers at the Cowboys speaking of Dallas seven seed Green Bay two seed Dallas Mike McCarthy the team he took to a Super Bowl win in the same stadium where he's going to play the Packers on Sunday late afternoon, 
Cowboys have won 16 in a row, Peter. A couple of them were close. They almost lost a couple of weeks ago in that controversial two-point play to the Lions. We, we talked earlier about Bill Belichick kind of hovering over this one. I wonder what the pressure does to Mike McCarthy, what it does to the team. Does it give him a little poke, or does it make him a little too nervous? You know, I look at this game, Mike, and – Obviously, I think Dallas is going to win. I think everybody does. But I I have been really I, – I've kind of switched on Jordan Love. At the start of the year, I thought he was going to be average to above average. Then midway through the season, I said, man, this guy might not make it. And then last eight games, Packers are 6-2. and two. He's thrown 18 touchdown passes with one interception he has become one of the best quarterbacks in the nfc period and and it's 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 fitting honestly that he's playing the best quarterback guy who's played the best in the nfc this year in dak prescott arguably he and brock purdy obviously but look at how well the packers are playing on offense now with a bunch of absolute no-name receivers every one of whom has come onto the team in the last 20 months. America doesn't know this Packer team right now, but I think they're going to give the Cowboys a game uh, Saturday night, I'm, I'm, or I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon, and I'm fascinated to see it. Spreads moved from 7.5 down to 7, so maybe some folks realize the Packers could keep this one close. They have been good down the stretch, and Jordan Love has played as well as any quarterback in the NFL. Eagles-Bucks, Monday night. We talked earlier about just how the Eagles have kind of they've kind of lost their way. And the harder they try to get yeah. it back, the less likely it's coming back. And, you know, Peter, Dallas Goddard said earlier this week that they were maybe coasting the final three weeks of the season. Nick Sirianni had to address that yesterday. I keep going back to the 49ers game. You're 10-1, best team in the NFL, 49ers come to town and beat you in your own building, 42-19. to 19. I just think that's the kind of thing that becomes very psychologically difficult to overcome because no matter what else you do the rest of the way, what's waiting for you? A trip to their house to play this team. And it wasn't like, like the Lions-Cowboys. The Lions relish an opportunity to play the Cowboys again. They feel like they got screwed. They could have won that game. I mean, the 49ers decimated the best team in football. I just think for the guys in that locker room, they know how this movie's going to end. And I think it's made it very hard for them to focus on the scenes that lead up to what they believe in their hearts the best-case scenario is. And the best-case scenario is a trip to San Francisco and a convincing loss to the 49ers. And I, I know I know anything can happen. I learned that the hard way a couple of weeks ago with the Ravens and the 49ers. But the Eagles have already lived it in their own building. This isn't some hypothetical matchup that's never occurred. They went through it. Their bubble was popped at 10-1 and one by the 49ers who came in there and stomped them, and that's what's waiting for them. I feel like that's the root of this reality that you've got a bunch of guys who are just like, we, hey, last year was our chance. This year, 49ers are just a better team. And say, you know, key injuries can happen, it's, and that's for the coach. The coach has to keep these guys focused, and I think that's what this all comes back to, and that's why there's this vague sense Nick Sirianni could be on the hot seat because this all comes back to the failure of the coaches to get these guys focused week in and week out. They've got the talent. They're just not delivering, and when that happens, whose fault is it, Peter, other than the coach? You've got an aging team, an aging team that is in a bad slump, and the past two weeks – the head coach of this team has pulled the fire alarm and his team has responded with desultory losses to the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants. And by the way, they haven't lost to the New York Giants since Mastodons roamed the earth. So <laughs> you look at the way the Philadelphia Eagles are playing right now. The most surprising line I've seen in an NFL game this year is the Philadelphia Eagles being favored by anybody in a playoff game on the road. I, I just, I do not understand. Look, 
I'm so happy I don't gamble. I'm deliriously happy I don't gamble. Because if that's the world, if, if it seems logical to someone that the Philadelphia Eagles are a favorite on Monday night, then it's a world that I just don't tread the same ground in as people who watch the watch football and make decisions like that. And I think the reality here is the Eagles drew an opponent that has not looked great recently either and had stretches of difficulty earlier in the season. But, you know, they had the home game against the Saints and the Saints beat them fairly handily. And then week 18 in Carolina, nine to nothing, a sluggish victory that could have easily become a defeat and a squandered playoff spot for the Buccaneers. So I think that's why the Eagles are favored. And also the people who are placing the bets drive the line. And most people are going to look at the Eagles and think this is a team that is capable of finding that switch, flipping it and getting back to where they were. I'm not sure they can. And Peter, the one thing that, that I, I think could be a huge factor here, they'll know on Monday where they go if they win. If they're going to Dallas or Detroit, that's a different mindset than knowing from Monday to Sunday, they got to fly back to Philly get ready to play the 49ers, fly to Santa Clara, San Jose, wherever the airport is that they fly into, and go to Santa Clara and play that game. That, that makes it more ripe for the Buccaneers to win if the Eagles should know that they're going to play the 49ers on the road. If that, that's, your, that's not a reward. That's, no, that's a playoff <laughs> win. Oh, you get to go to Santa Clara and play the 49ers who've had 14 days off, and you have six days of turning around. You've got to fly home and then fly out there. No, thank you. All right, we've got to take a break. Um, we expected Bill Belichick to leave the Patriots. We didn't expect Pete Carroll to leave the Seahawks. Peter and I will talk on what was the far more surprising development this week when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, I, I competed pretty hard to be the coach, um, just so you know. I just wanted to make sure that I stood up for all of our coaches and the players and the things that we had accomplished. And not, not so that we could be the coach still, but so that we could continue to have a chance to be successful and keep the organization going. That's what I was fighting for. Pete Carroll from earlier in the week, that was the big surprise, and it was painted by the Seahawks as amicable, and then Pete Carroll goes into the press room with the logos on the screen behind him, and he says, man, I wanted to stay. And uh, the Seahawks decided it was time. And, Peter, my big takeaway from it was this team isn't getting sold anytime soon. Part of Paul Allen's will and estate plan is that his sports properties will be sold and the money be donated to charity, and there's been a question of when it's going to happen. I thought Pete Carroll would just stay until Jody Allen sold the team. This tells me she's going to hang on to it for a while because it makes it hard to go out and get a good coach if you say, oh, by the way, we're going to sell in two years. Yeah, and I also think, Mike, that after a while, you have to look at your team and you have to look at your organization. And look, Pete Carroll is a ball of energy, even at the age of 72. And I don't have any specific criticism of Pete Carroll per se. However, I remember, I don't know, a year or so ago, 
I was out at their training camp, and uh, this was before the 22 season. And I remember before I went out there, I was talking to an agent of a player there. And I said, what do you think about the team? And what do you, blah, 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 blah. Just, and this agent said to me, you know, he said, I, I, I think you can only hear Pete Carroll's stuff for so long. And when does that message begin to get stale? When does the cheerleader stuff and competition Wednesday and all that and and I don't say that it is stale. I'm saying that I think for some people, that stuff just goes right over their head. And I'll, you know, the one other thing I, w- I would say about the Seahawks, Mike, is that I I like the formation of their team. I think they have a good young team right now. I think they probably have to get a new quarterback. And they're going to be in position with a rich draft this year. John Schneider has proven he picked Russell Wilson 75th overall. John Schneider has proven that, you know, he knows how to scout quarterbacks and and can do that. But I think I look at Pete and what has happened over the last couple of years. And I look at a guy who, even on the defensive side of the ball, Mike, this is a team that was, I think, 30th and 29th the last two years on defense in the NFL. That's Pete Carroll's stock in trade. And they fell this year to 21st in overall offense. So I, I don't know. I understand that a lot of people are saying, my God, Pete was great, ball of energy, still in contention right into the last week, all that. I don't know. If I were the owner of that team, I would try I would think to myself after the last say 3 years, what are we doing here? Are we really making progress to being the next great team of the Seattle Seahawks? I think what they did is pretty understandable. Well, and I think this went off the rails at the end of Super Bowl 49 with the fateful pass versus run decision. They eventually had to clear out any of the veterans who were unable to accept that play. And I think it was a cloud that hung over the team. There was a reset of sorts after the 2017 season and then without Russell Wilson. And look, they made it to the playoffs last year when no one expected them to. This year, there was an expectation that they were going to get there, and they didn't. There's always been a sense that Pete Carroll ran everything. I want to know the story behind the scenes as to how this all came to be. Who planted the seed for Jody Allen? Did she think of it on her own? Is there some executive at Vulcan Corporation which handles the massive and widespread Paul Allen holdings? John Schneider survives and emerges stronger from this. There's just a lot of stuff there. And the bottom line, Peter, Pete Carroll doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to walk away. He's in the mix, I think. He's got to be considered for one of these other jobs. I don't know which one. But if Bill Belichick is going to be a guy who lands on, I'd be surprised if Pete gets a job. I'd be surprised if Pete gets a job. Um, It's one thing. Look, he'd be coaching next year at age 73. And it's not like he's coming off a string of great performances or great teams. Sounds like Bill Belichick to me. Well, but Bill Belichick, also has a much richer, deeper pedigree than Pete Carroll has. So, and again, look, I'm not saying I'd hire either guy. I mean, the only way I'd hire Bill Belichick is if uh, he would accept um, he would accept a general manager who has either significant power or a lot more power than Belichick has ever had in a front office guy before, and I would want to know right off the bat, who are you going to hire on your offensive staff? That's the one thing about Belichick, Mike. Look at that staff. Is anybody running to to hire all their guys? They got the smallest staff, right, in the NFL or or one of them, clearly. And, I mean, are there guys on that staff where people are running, rushing to hire? I doubt it. You know, I, I maybe Gerard Mayo. I don't know if he becomes a free agent. But I, 
I just, I don't know. You tell me one owner right now who would say, I want to put my next three to five years in the hands of Pete Carroll. I I don't see it. Dean Spanos? I don't see it. Bring him back to L.A. Bring him back to L.A. Bring Pete Carroll back to L.A. I guess so. Okay, all right. And and think about, about, let's compare. If Dean Spanos misses out on Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick, and whoever else, okay, I can see that. I doubt Pete Carroll would be his first choice. Well, I doubt it as well, but here's the problem. When you start scratching the surface of the Chargers, you get to the smell of dysfunction pretty quickly. Having Justin Herbert covers a lot of that up. But the people who do the deep dive and understand the Chargers organization and where the flaws are, that's when the alarm bells start to go off a little bit. And so if you have Harbaugh do his due diligence and he's got a bunch of choices and Belichick's got choices, I I could see them saying no thank you to the Chargers. If Pete, if that's his only option, it takes him back to L.A., it pairs him up with Justin Herbert, and he can be the exact opposite of Brandon Staley, be, you know, very raw. Maybe that's what they need, the kick in the ass, the the jolt to the system that Pete Carroll can bring. Maybe that's what that team is missing because we know he'll do it even at age 73. The guy's incredible. You see him on the sidelines jumping around, throwing the football. It's a transformation. He he moves kind of slowly away from a stadium, but it's like it's like the fountain of youth. He's Ponce de Leon, baby, when he walks into a stadium. So maybe that's what the Chargers need. All right, let's take a break. Oh, boy, we're going to do it a little early because we got Devin McCourty coming up. It's time for Daniel Jones. Not Daniel Jones because he ain't in the playoffs this year. Somebody's going to show us something. So show me something, Drag. next here on PF2 Live. All right, there it is tomorrow night. Dolphins at the Chiefs only on Peacock. First time ever playoff game is streamed. A lot of people not happy with that. Well, and they say, oh, is this the future? The future's here. This is how it works. We've had Amazon Thursday Night Football for the last two years. Peacock, great service, great platform. I'm a company man. If you're watching this now, you're watching it on Peacock. Tomorrow night, Peacock, Dolphins at the Chiefs in a game that will be very cold. Be glad you're home watching it on Peacock and not at the stadium. Show me something draft time. Here we go. Oh, and you know what? I'm supposed to mention this too. I didn't see the read here. For a limited time, you can get one year of Peacock for $29.99. That's a pretty good deal. One year for $29.99. I'm not capable of dividing that by 12, but that's a pretty good deal. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com slash NFL terms apply. Okay. Six games this weekend, 12 teams enter, six teams leave. Show me something for the Super Wild Card round. Peter King, you're up. It's $2.50, Mike, by the way. But anyway, show me Thank something, you. Jalen Hurts. There is a time and place for a quarterback to lift his team, to rise above the detritus that is surrounding this organization, this team. Every talk show in Philadelphia wants everyone with the Eagles fired. There is a time to rise above it all. And this Monday night is that time for the most important person in the franchise, Jalen Hurts, to overcome the bad play of this franchise over the last month, to rise up and to carry his team to a win that nobody sees coming. Show me something Jalen Hurts Carry your team as the franchise quarterback. Show me something, Michael J. McCarthy. I have no idea if his middle initial is J, but it sounds good. The Cowboys head coach is on notice. His owner has said so. What about his future? We'll see how the playoffs go one game at a time. And in this time, with your former team coming to town, you can't make any late-game mistakes that would pin the loss on you. Generally, the loss gets pinned on you if you lose. But if you do something dumb like, I don't know, throw the ball on second and 15 with a couple of minutes left in the game and give the other team an extra 40 seconds to drive down the field and maybe take the victory away from you, it's going to be a little glaring when Jerry Jones sits down and tries to figure out how he's going to get the team back to the NFC Championship for the first time since 1995 in the same cycle that Bill Belichick is available. The breadcrumbs are already there. The pressure is on Mike McCarthy to deliver this week and next week in order to ensure that there will be a next year 
for McCarthy in Dallas. So show me something, Mike McCarthy. Show me something to a Tongavaloa. And look, everyone is going to just assume that the Miami Dolphins cannot win at Ice Station Zebra Saturday night. <laughs> I understand that. We all understand that. However, however, Tua Tonga-Valoa basically loves his coach, loves him, loves Mike McDaniel. He loves this offense. And there are times where you have to sort of repay the faith that people have in you. Last week was not one of those times. He threw a horrible interception into double coverage that probably, I shouldn't say it cost the Miami Dolphins the second seed and the division championship, but it went a long way toward handing that to the Buffalo Bills. Show me something to a Tonga Show me, no matter what the temperature is, that you are a big-time quarterback in the NFL. Show me something, D'Amico Ryans, the head coach of the Houston Texans, likely, possibly, probably will not be the coach of the year. Kevin Stefanski patching together five different starting quarterbacks and willing his team to 11 wins could overcome in the final voting what determines coach of the year. And D'Amico Ryans, despite taking the team least likely to make it to the playoffs, into the playoffs, he's been eclipsed. This is his chance. This is his opportunity. On a national stage, everyone watching, to show us what the Texans now are. After several years of dysfunction, where they really felt like the single worst organization in all of the NFL. This is the coming out party for D'Amico Ryans. And yes, for some of his key players like C.J. Stroud. But Ryans is the one who has made this happen. From the first day of offseason workouts, the Texans players recognized something was different. Here's someone who has been part of organizations that have won at the highest levels, D'Amico Ryans. And this isn't a show-me-something pressure take. This is a show-everyone what you've been doing in Houston that we haven't had a chance to notice because it's all been at 1 o'clock Eastern every Sunday. This is the opportunity for everyone to appreciate the Texans and D'Amico Ryans tomorrow afternoon when they possibly beat the Cleveland Browns. And I think with that, we take a break. And you know what? There's some news on the other side that you may want to stick around for. We'll be back with that right after this. Well, we talked about it earlier. There's a contract already in place to make Gerard Mayo the next head coach of the New England Patriots. They would have had to buy him out if they had moved on to someone else and done a full-blown search. Adam Schefter of ESPN reports at a press conference next week, it will be formally announced that Gerard Mayo is the next coach of the New England Patriots. We thought that was a succession plan for the past couple of years. He's the guy. He's the guy. We learned last night that the paperwork was already filed. The question was... Did it crash so badly that they had to do a hard reset? The Crafts have decided they don't need to do it. They'll stick with Gerard Mayo, and they'll move forward from there. I'm surprised it happened so quickly, Peter. I'm a little surprised, too, but it just leads me to believe that the Patriots all along have been thinking that uh, whenever we part ways with Bill Belichick, and they had to know this entering the last month of the season. Whenever we part ways, we've got our guy on staff. And look, Gerard Mayo is an absolute total, uh, he's an unknown. He's an unknown. He was a former first-round pick of the Patriots, obviously, a good linebacker for them. Uh, But no one has any idea who he is, what his ideas are, what what his philosophy is. Will the Patriots now go out and whether it be someone on staff like Elliot Wolf, will they hire a, 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 a general manager from the outside to come in and to run the draft and to have real power in the organization, which you never had under Bill Belichick? We shall see. But I'm a little surprised like you, Mike, that they didn't survey the landscape, but they had to be all in on Mayo uh, for some time. And I think part of the reality is doing it now, getting the word out now, it it cuts off a full weekend of pregame chatter, Belichick aftermath, 
it's out there that Mayo's got the succession clause in his contract. They haven't exercised it. Are they going to bring back Vrabel? And before the Vrabel thing can really get off the ground, boom, it's Mayo. Let's not even have the conversation. Let's not people let people entertain the possibility that it's going to be Mike Vrabel. Let's just get this done with Mayo. And, you know, Peter, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier with the manner in which Bill Belichick accumulated power. After the third Super Bowl win, that was when he got the ability to run everything. So now Gerard Mayo comes in, and he's at the same spot Belichick was at. He's just the coach. And I I wonder whether there was a fear, and maybe they had enough of a chance to do their due diligence to just get get an idea as to where Mike Vrabel's mindset was. Maybe Vrabel wasn't willing to just be the coach. Maybe Vrabel wants to to shop for the groceries after what he went through in Tennessee. And maybe he thinks there's someplace else he can go where he'd have more power to be the person who doesn't trade AJ Brown, for example. So, you know, I, I think that a big part of this is the Patriots go back to square one where they were with Bill Belichick, where the coach is just the coach and someone else will put together the lineup and they'll work together cooperatively and they'll try to develop a team that wins the way that Belichick and company won their first few years on the job together. You know what? I, I mean, we, we obviously now are, uh, you know, we're on the verge of having a conversation with Devin McCourty, who was, you know, the Patriots first round draft choice in 2010. I'd really be interested in talking to Devin about a guy who he was teammates with because Gerard Mayo, the first round pick in 2008, two years later, McCourty comes on the scene. He's going to have a lot of sort of institutional knowledge of Gerard Mayo. And I, for one, am anxious to hear it because I think I, like so many other people, everybody said, well, what you mean? You, you've never talked to Gerard Mayo? I mean, there's a chance in a locker room after a game I've talked to him. It doesn't stand out if I did. But the one thing I would say is players and coaches for the New England Patriots are kept under rocks, period. Coaches mostly because players, you you do get to talk to them in open locker room periods. But for the most part, you do not know these coaches because Bill Belichick doesn't want you to know them. He doesn't want writers developing sources with other coaches uh, on his staff. So people don't know Gerard Mayo. And, you know, other than the little press availabilities he has during the course of the year, and that's going to make this very, very interesting because, look, the downside for Gerard Mayo, he's never had to deal with in any way, shape, or form being the man, being the guy who the buck stops with. And that can be a lofty, difficult thing, very difficult, especially in this day and age. And following Bill Belichick, I mean, ask some coaches over the years what it was like to follow a legend. It's not very easy. The only one I've ever seen do it well is Jimmy Johnson following Tom Landry. But... This there's a lot here uh, to look at. I'm looking forward to asking Devin McCourty about him. Well, and it's also a direct connection back to Bill Belichick. It's not a complete fresh face, no ties. It's still a continuation of the Patriot way. So how much of that Patriot way is going to be reflected in Gerard Mayo? Is it going to be a new day? Are, are they going to be more open is it going to be less secretive? And and the one thing that I always noticed when a Belichick lieutenant would go somewhere else and declare to the world, I'm going to be my own person. They don't realize how the proximity to and the nonstop residence under the thumb of Bill Belichick changes you. Even if you think you're going to do it differently than Bill does, you're still doing it a lot like Bill does. Because you just can't take it out of your DNA at that point. That's where you've been. That's what you know. 
That's how you've learned to coach. And I don't expect Gerard Mayo to come in and be dramatically different than Bill Belichick. He'll be different, but that's what he knows. So that's what makes it an interesting choice for me. Because it felt like it crashed enough the past two years that they just needed to go elsewhere. And Vrabel struck me as the perfect hybrid. Played for Belichick, didn't coach with Belichick. Has coaching experience, has done well. I I am surprised. I am surprised that it happened this quickly. But I think part of it, too, is they didn't want to let this Vrabel chatter kind of take over. And then they don't get to make their decision you know, on their own without too much external pressure. One other thing I would say, Mike, do you realize that Gerard Mayo will uh, become the New England Patriots coach having in his life since being a college football player at Tennessee, since being drafted in the first round by the Patriots in 2008, over the last 15 years, He never worked for another organization other than the Patriots. He played for the Patriots for eight years. I believe retired on Instagram. My memory of that is vague, but there was no big ceremony. Played for the Patriots for eight years, was out of football, and then in 2019 took a job as an assistant coach with the Patriots. He doesn't know any other way of doing things than the Belichick way. So what does that mean? I don't know. We'll see. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to get some insight from a guy who knows Gerard Mayo very well, Devin McCourty of NBC, and most recently with the Patriots, is going to join us to talk the departure of Belichick and the arrival of Gerard Mayo as head coach when PFT Live continues right after this. It was already a perfect day to have our colleague Devin McCourty on the program because of the departure of Bill Belichick from the Patriots. But now with the news that Gerard Mayo will be taking over as the next head coach, even more reason to talk to Devin about it. So we'll get right to it. First of all, good morning and thank you for joining us from your vehicle on the side of the road safely. Always be safe, especially kind of hard to drive with the camera on anyway. Okay, so give us your thoughts on the departure of Bill Belichick as coach of the Patriots. I think one of the biggest things is it's been expected in the building. I think a lot of people kind of knew that Gerard would hopefully be the guy taking over. And I would say he has the unique experience of being under Bill as a player and a coach, but also the time away from football. When he left football, he got to work at Optum uh, in Massachusetts, where he worked closely with the leadership. He understands when you hear him talk, he talks not just leadership and football, but kind of CEO talk and life leading people. So I've always said it. I think he'll be one of the best leaders of men um, in the National Football League. And I'm excited for him because he's been, you know, trying to think ahead of what he wanted to do in life. And when he got into coaching, his ultimate goal was to someday be a head coach. And he talked a lot about all of the things he was able to learn from Bill. Devin, is there any danger at all in the fact that since he left the University of Tennessee and was a first-round pick of the Patriots in 2008, he never played or coached for another person other than Bill Belichick. He, so he's, he's only known one way. You think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think to the outside world, they'll only think that. But I think when you actually, you know, you want to get into being a football, being a football coach, why would you not want to learn from a guy who's got to do it for 24 years, six Super Bowl titles, all of those different things? And I think the unique thing about learning from somebody is you get to take all the things you love and enjoy and then implement the other things that you want to do. So I think with him, now he's learned outside of football things that you can now incorporate into the football world, helping these young guys out. I think he's closer in age to some of the players on the team, so he understands that. He has kids around now a little younger than some of these guys. So he gets both sides of it. Um, So I think it's a unique hire, but I'm excited for him. I think he'll do a great job, but I understand the reservations of some people who are like, well, all he is is a Patriot. But I think when people get to be around him and talk to him, they'll see the differences between him and Bill and how the organization will be going forward. 
He's instantly the youngest coach in the NFL at 37. He's a month younger than Sean McVay. How do you expect him to be different than Bill Belichick from our perspective on the outside as media, as fans? What will be different about Gerard Mayo as coach? I think off rip, people will notice personality-wise, he's way different. Gerard is the talkative, can be in any room, talk to anybody. I've been with him so many different places. He always fits in. He's always cracking jokes. The thing about him, even as a player, he always had a little bit of him where he can push guys, but not in a way that he had to be in your face yelling and screaming. The first way was by example. He was going to challenge guys that gets to his standard, his level of preparation, hard work. And the second way was always keeping it light. He was always in the training room, cracking jokes. I mean, we'd be in there on game day getting IVs, and if a little air got in your IV, he would run in there and be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, your heart's going to stop, and, like, freak people out, and then start dying and laughing on game day. So he has a different <laughs> approach to things, and I think I think he'll keep it light, and it'll be a super probably positive place, different than what everyone's heard about over the years of New England, you know, the low lights and everything like that. He's just a different personality than Bill altogether. So I think you'll see those differences right away. Devin, do you expect Robert Kraft to institute a more traditional football structure with a general manager in place who runs the draft and a coach who coaches the team and perhaps has final say on the roster, but more of a traditional general manager structure? I do. I thought it was interesting yesterday when Mr. Kraft said, you know, in the 90s when when Bill was kind of coming up and taking over more of the different roles in the organization, he said he was kind of ahead of his time, and he feels like people have caught up to that a little bit. And I think that means we'll see the Patriots move more in a direction of what we see other teams kind of have that great relationship between GM and coach, but ultimately have different figureheads in the building, whether it's a president, general manager, different people who run – different things will ultimately all work together towards making sure ownership loves what's going on. But I think we'll see more of an approach like that. Robert Kraft was asked yesterday, Devin, what's gone wrong the past couple of years to contribute to two straight seasons with no playoffs. He said he's not qualified to answer that. You are. From your perspective, what's gone wrong and what needs to go right moving forward? I think it, it was time for a total reset. I think we'll see a better Bill Belichick going forward. I wouldn't be surprised, depending on where he lands, we see some team take off right away because I think everyone will learn from the situation. But I think with the Patriots, we'll see them attack the draft differently. I think we'll see them have more of an approach that we see other teams, whether it's the top player on the board, a quarterback. Like We won't see as much as you know New England being known for when everybody's going one way, they go to a different direction. I don't think we'll see that. I think we'll see the Patriots kind of fall in line and do some of the things we see other teams do. And I think the biggest thing will be how everything moves forward. We're going to see a total different coaching staff with Gerard taking over and Bill probably still coaching. They're going to have to make decisions on who stays, who goes, how that works out. So uh, I think the differences will be on how they draft the personnel, how what they look at free agent-wise, and then overall – how the team is run from a, a personality standpoint will be way different going forward. Devin, did you expect what we all saw yesterday, which was Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft presenting a united front parting amicably? Did part of you wonder whether Bill was going to be able to stand up there and do that after they agreed that he would no, no longer coach? I did. I, I just think like everybody else, you just never know. Um, but I thought it was a really cool sight to see two men who changed the lives of so many different guys and, and women who have come through that building to stand up there for 24 years and just celebrate and talk about how, you know, they changed the game, how what they did will probably never be replicated. I thought it was very cool. And I think for the outside world, but especially for the guys like myself that have been in the building, been around both of them, to see them come together and, and talk about those things and the things they were able to accomplish, we all feel like we were a part of it and we all had a small part, but it was awesome to see them to do that. And, um, you know, you never know. And I thought Bill was awesome in doing that. And he looked really excited uh, as much as Bill can 
going forward and what we'll see next. <laughs> yeah, that meter doesn't go very high. That's it's a, it's a tight range of emotion that we see from Bill Belichick, Devin McCourty. Hey, Devin, thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Big part of our coverage of the Super Wild Card round. Stay safe, and uh, again, we'll see you Saturday. Thanks again, pal. Appreciate for having me on, guys. All right, there he is, Devin McCourty. All right, and Peter, I think we're out of time. How much time do we have left? I think we're landing the plane here. 25 seconds. Final thought from Peter King on Super Wild Card Weekend. Go. I love so many games this weekend. The secret game that I love the most is Cleveland at Houston. What a great, fun matchup that will be. And I, I kind of like the Texans to steal that one. Should be a great weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you Monday. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.